0: Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect.
2: joy and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Dioro.
1: Thank you, Darlene. For our guest today, please welcome Loriana Kastrop, Vice President and Controller of Kastrop Group Incorporated Architects. Loriana has over 30 years of financial analysis experience and handles human resources and marketing for the Kastrop Group Incorporated. Her specialty is budget management and reporting to keep projects on budget and with es- estimates. She has a Bachelor of Arts in International Relations from Stanford University. For more information, feel free to visit www.castropgroup.com. That's group. Dot com. hello Loriana we're honored to have you on the modern architect radio show thank you very much for having me Thank you Loriana. I'm glad we finally did this been several months in the making thank you very much um, Loren I, I like, we like to start off with you know some either early inspirations as to what what kind of put you in, w- where you are now as the uh, as a vice president as a controller of Castrop group and if you can go back as far as you can recall to Why you knew you were kind of good at that, or how you were good at that?
3: Well, I married an architect, so (laughs) it became obvious to me that in order to support him, I wanted to make sure that whatever firm he was working for is successful. Um, I served in some capacity when he was a partner in another firm. Mm -hmm. And then later I started just giving thought to how I could apply my financial analysis so, when my husband decided to go out on his own and start his own firm, um, I at first thought I would just help him get set up and on track to handle all the business side of the firm so that he could stay focused on the architecture and the client needs. And then after I had been doing it a while i realized that hey i can do this and i'm pretty good at it so i'd like to keep going and i've helped or at least um i i wouldn't call it innovated but i established some working um guidelines for our firm that i think are really useful and that maybe other architects can benefit
1: Is that right? Knowing, yes. So uh, uh, do you have opportunities to share that with them?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, people who become architects, they go to school and learn all about creating buildings that are um, healthy, safe, um, beautiful, um, and useful. And they think visually and they think artistically. I think analytically. So when I look at a project, I'm thinking of where are the potential pitfalls? Where, where could we lose money on this? Where could this project go sideways? And so I try to help the people and on our design team, um, anticipate those things and f- fill those, plug those holes before they, gather, you know, before yeah. they grow. I love how um, you say, you, so you plug th- those holes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, for example, if you know that a jurisdiction is difficult to get permits, um, then you educate the client about the permitting process and why it may take longer than desired to get their permit. It's mm-hmm. not it's not something we're doing wrong, but it might be part of that particular project's process. Or you might have to build in, well, so you have to build in these cushions when you're estimating or giving proposals to the client. Okay. And those, the cushion is what I call anchoring. So there's a... Anchoring
1: thick, like is a boat anchor. Yeah. Okay.
3: So the psychological concept of anchoring, I didn't make this up, okay. Is um <laughs> is when someone hears something, like if I told you, don't think of an elephant now you would immediately think of an elephant. I did. Right. So yeah. <laughs> so that's called anchoring. You're putting okay. a mental pin in something you just heard. And the, so when you give numbers such as this project may cost between um ten thousand and twenty thousand in architectural fees, well, they heard the ten thousand. The twenty thousand is kind of floating out, they're gone. And then anything above ten thousand dollars, they're gonna feel uncomfortable paying So instead of anchoring them on the lower number, put your cushion in and anchor them on the upper number by saying, it could cost as much as this. We'll try to bring it in under that, but just need to let you know that that's where it could end up so that they're comfortable with that. And then when you bring in the project for less than that, which you know you will because you're that smart. (laughs) um, (laughs) You will be able to look like the hero.
1: So with each client, you have to... This is built into every client. Yes, you, of you, course. You're, you're managing their expectations.
3: Yes, managing expectations and educating them about where the the areas that are of most... Let's say out of your control. The areas that you might run into some problems okay. That um, that you can't necessarily control. So... Um, Did so you discover of, that
1: you know early in, in the...
3: Well, you have to do... I believe in doing a debrief after every project. And so if a project wasn't profitable or you used up the budget faster than you anticipated, um, then you should analyze the reasons that that happened and try to prevent them from happening again. Yeah. So yes, you keep um, doing that until you <laughs> make sure you get it right. And then um the other thing that I wanted to bring up with you, Tom, sure. because of uh what happens when architects get a project, they have a tendency, I believe, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've seen it, <laughs> to dive right in. And they start going on that project. They've hardly... Check to make sure that all of the signatures are on the contracts. Um, they may, they may sure. not have asked for a deposit or any kind of upfront money. They, they might have um, gotten so excited about the project that they put in a, m- a month of billings before even finding out whether that person is going to be good for it on payment.
1: So monthly, you're, you're talking about the monthly monthly billings. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: So it's really important to find out um, the client's budget up front.
1: Be, be curt if you have
3: to. <laughs> okay. Well, I I don't like to make compromises or go backward with value engineering. Um, that's a term that I'm not really comfortable with. I think it's better to just find out from the get-go what they're going to be able to afford and then design appropriately to that. Uh That's one of the things that we take into consideration when we use our motto designing for your reality, because your reality is what you can afford and what you can, uh, what you want out of this whole architectural process. So, um, so for example, Are we designing a Ford Fiesta or are we designing a Ferrari? Okay. All right. If you get all excited about the project and you design a Ferrari and then they tell you, well, what? And then they it goes all the way through the process of construction documents and specifications and everything. And then they go out to bid and say, oh, we can't afford that. Everybody's all excited and everybody loves the design. But then they say, we can't afford that. What can you cut out? Well, that's you know you're yeah. gutting yourself. How there's no job satisfaction in that, so it's better to know from the beginning. I'm going to give you the very best Ford Fiesta that <laughs> that you've ever seen. You know, yeah. like do that, yeah. and then people will. Everybody on the project team will be satisfied. Have some satisfaction from it. Yeah. Um, client education is a big. Yeah. How part do you do that?
1: that with clients? You know, it's. It, it, how do you select your clients in essence?
3: Right. So, so what? Uh, another thing that I find architects don't always keep in mind is that you are part of the contract process. So, you get to decide which clients you take. And you can be selective. And if people give you an uncomfortable feeling and you think that they're going to, let's say, be nitpicky <laughs> okay. or require a lot of hand-holding or demanding or... If they're if they're bartering with you before you even get started on the project, like oh, I bet I can get that for cheaper somewhere. Sometime, do some clients somewhere. say that? Oh, or sometimes. Pro- oh, yeah. I'll be shopping this around. Ugh. Okay, you can do that. Um, but then if you come back to me saying, oh, well, I couldn't find a, I couldn't find a lower yeah. price. Why would I take you back? Yeah. These people, by the way, you're going to have to be dealing with them for months, years sometimes on an architectural project. That's like dating someone you don't really like. <laughs> I love that. Why amount. would you do that? Yeah. Why would you do that? You know, so, uh, so yes, you are allowed to be selective. And, and I think clients should understand that it is part of the process that the architect selects you as well as you select the architect. So, um, don't compromise yourself. If you don't feel comfortable, if you get uh, an uncomfortable feeling, tell them that you're uncomfortable. (laughs) No, (laughs) tell them that the AIA.org website has architects. listed, So, you know, there are places they can go. Um, the other thing is that, um, so, I don't want to forget to mention about billable hours. Okay. Um billable hours are what the architects have as, in their possession to give. Interesting. Really in their possession. Valuable. You, there's only so many hours in the day, you can't expand it. There's only so many work hours in a week that doesn't that doesn't change. So if you are um giving away your billable hours um that's like taking your wallet and then just taking the money out and throwing it in the street for somebody else to pick up nobody does that and you shouldn't do it with your billable hours that's your money so i think that that all of our billable people have to be protective with their time and that includes teaching clients not to call every day for an update on the status of their project. Do they? Sometimes. Um, not every day, but a lot of them are very, you know, they think they're the only person on, their, on your plate. And most architecture firms have multiple jobs in multiple phases of the construction process. So you need to tell them, I will not be getting back to you for a couple of weeks because we've submitted to the permitting jurisdiction and we're waiting for them to get back to us with comments. So you won't hear from me for a little while, and that's okay. And so the person is expecting that. So getting back to the issue of billable hours, if you take, let's say, 12 five-minute phone calls... In a day that you never billed because it was an only five-minute phone call, you just gave away an hour of billable time. Yes. That was a freebie to those people. And what I'm trying to say is think of that as your time and don't give it away. If you take the five-minute phone call, that's fine. You want to communicate with your client. You want to keep that relationship in a good place. (laughs) In a good place you, what, what we have, the change that one of the changes I instituted in our firm is that we bill in 10th of an hour increments. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And so a 10th of an hour is six minutes. Yeah. So I, I help our people to understand that it's worth putting that 10th of an hour down on their timesheet for a phone call with client. And then, we know we spent that time and the client knows we spent that time. And then the client can also control, oh, they're going to bill me for that five-minute yeah. phone call. I better, you know, remember. <laughs> not to call. Well, or, or not to call unless it's yeah. necessary right. or important. Yeah. Um, and so the the t- one-tenth-of-an-hour thing actually helped a lot because there was a lot of time going into the giant <sighs> bucket of non-billable hours That we just didn't know where it was going, and so we now we do. And if if you choose not to put that money on a, I mean, if you choose not to put that on the invoice, that, again, is your choice. But at least you should know that it was, that that's how that time was spent.
1: Excellent. Let's touch back on this when we return. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1. FM.
2: Comprehensive information on Bay Area classical music concerts can be found at the San Francisco Classical Voice website, sfcv.org. For daily, weekly, or monthly information on classical music concerts throughout the Bay Area, simply visit sfcv.org.
1: We're talking today with Loriana Castro, Vice President and Controller of Kastrop Group Incorporated Architects. For more information, Feel free to visit www.castropgroup.com. That's www.castropgroup.com. Loriana, talking about that, that um, your time, the, the frame, and how to bill your time and how valuable it is. I'm going on my experience. Majority, I say, out of every 10 architects, maybe two or three have that sort of awareness. Yeah. What's your experience?
3: Well, I don't think architects see, they, they see the project and they see the process of the project, but they don't see the, the little steps um, as incremental steps. And so um, I think it's worth uh, taking the time to say it's going to take, this much time between step 1 and step 2 and we have gotten into the habit of breaking um a normal even a small residential project into two um stages oh, let's okay. say and so there's the preliminary or schematic design phase which include also includes the existing conditions if it's an existing um, building that's being remodeled. So existing conditions and, and preliminary design. And then we take a breather and we ask, um, a trusted general contractor to throw a ballpark construction estimate at it. Okay. So we call that a preliminary construction estimate or PCE. And we're, all the people we work like with it. know what a PCE is. From you. So, yeah. 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 So a PCE, once you get the preliminary construction estimate, you can run to the co- um, client and say, here's, here's, we know that it's going to be in this ballpark. And then the client can say, yeah, we're on track. I'm good with that. Or I, oh, that's less than I thought. Let's, You know, we can embellish and or if you if they if they usually it's the other way around where they say, oh, my gosh. And then you ask them, is that going to work or do we right now in the in the design process scale it down? And so that's gives them the chance to do that before you've gone into all of the consultants, the engineering, the um, there's there's so many other things that are going to have to happen before it gets permitted. And gets under construction. Mm-hmm. That it's good to take that one s- stopping point and take a, a, do a good reality check before you move forward into all the all the nitty gritty of turning out the plans and specifications.
1: What inspired you to put this in place? Was it pain, kind of, <laughs> or was it something that you had learned before? Say, you know what? I think this is a good point to kind of everyone to huddle up, so to speak.
3: Um, n- we just found that we, if we got all the way to the end of the project and especially on rush projects, because clients will push you to rush things. And if you don't, yeah, if you don't take that, that moment, that reality check to get a PCE, you get all the way to the end. And then, and sometimes a project wouldn't even get built. I mean, you know, think how that feels for everybody. You got... It, and they paid for it. They paid for the, the, all the way to construction documents. And then they find out that when they went out to bid that they couldn't afford it. That's horrible for everybody. So I, so we just, it was, you know, hard experience that taught us that it's worth it to, yeah. to stop for a second and make sure you have that reality check. Um, yeah. I noticed
1: also on your, your website, many things I noticed in there is that you have great range from, as you said, the small project to commercial. Is there a percentage that you have of commercial, residential
3: yeah. in your firm? Yes. Our firm is pretty much two-thirds commercial, one-third okay. residential. But the residential projects um, are, are, are two things. One is you feel needed by the client so much because for most residential projects, it's not only their first ro- rodeo, it's their only rodeo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's the one time they're going to go through remodeling their home or building their home. So, so there's a lot of satisfaction in that to have them understand what you're bringing to the yeah. table. So that. With commercial projects, for the most part, the, um, developers come to us, they know they need an architect and they understand what the architect's doing, but you don't get as many hugs and, <laughs> you know, boxes of candy and stuff from people who are so excited. Um, so I, I would just, I would just say that, uh, that there's some satisfaction in doing the smaller projects as well, but the bigger projects are, um, put, you know, Bread on yeah. the table. So. I noticed you did a number of schools as well. Is we did some school work for a while, okay. private schools mo- okay. mainly. Um, but the uh, but doing all kinds of projects and is one of the things that we just ended up. It it was partly caused by the recession. You just take what you can get, yeah. um, but also it you find an inter uh, i there are interesting aspects of every little thing up on the wall there we have that that windmill oh yeah okay which is a For historic audience, yeah. it's a historic windmill it's called a Solari windmill that we helped uh, on a pro bono basis to restore and put into the historic union cemetery in in Redwood City and our collaborators on that project the the contractors um also Donated their time, and um, so that was a little yeah. itty bitty project, but yeah. it was really satisfying. So,
1: yeah, and then you have here with the uh, where's the, the, the is this a future or it's been complete. Oh, that one's yeah, that then? one's
3: complete. So, that one's just um, um, it, the remodel of um, multi use building on Broadway in downtown Redwood City. Phil's Coffee is oh, yeah, the um, ground floor tenant, and Shazam. The music audio um, c- app um, um, computer application um, is on the top floor. Oh, so you, you look—you've got a
1: lot of range. That's what I notice. It's not just one specific area.
3: Well, you keep saying you, and I'm not an architect. But, but your—it's but the company. <laughs> the company, yeah. yes. And and that I, I when I say I'm not an architect, I I so admiring of architects yeah. that I wouldn't want anybody to misunderstand because, you know, all the beautiful um, buildings and renderings and so forth that are in the office, if it were, if, if there were drawings from every um, employee in our office, there would be beautiful, 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 and then a square with a little window and a little door and a triangle on top. And that would be my rendering with maybe some little stick people out front. So see, I don't have yeah. that artistic ability, so yeah. I really admire it. And what, and what I like to do is say, well, I'm making it po- I feel like I'm telling people I'm making it possible for these people to make a living at doing what they do so well.
1: Absolutely, because so much of what you're doing is not taught in architecture school. Right. Can you share with us why why you, either you think that is or you're experiencing your experience with that fact?
3: Right. So that's my big frustration is that um, architects go through a really long licensing process. I looked it up and um, it currently takes nationwide an average of uh, 12 years to get an architectural license. That's by NCARB. NCARB does that survey, and um, they and so if they're putting 12 years, and here in California it's probably longer yeah, for sure. Definitely is. Um, so if they're putting in 12 years they should be respected as being professionals on the order of doctors and when somebody comes to you and says we just want some plans or or you know i know I'm, I, I'm or sure. even worse we already have i've already had uh created a design um that i made on my little google sketchup on okay. my computer yeah. <laughs> So I already have a design. I just need the, you know, drawings to submit. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That just, well, it makes me crazy. It's terrible. Because, yeah, it is. Um, and it so is. what I think is really important is for people to understand that saying that to an architect is like saying to a doctor, what do you charge for back pain? <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't. It, there's too much to that question you have to you know run tests do a diagnosis figure out how to how to treat it and there it's it's a huge and it takes all of their skill and expertise and training to give you that answer so you can't narrow it down to something as simple as that so that's what i'm trying to get i feel like that's my job is to educate people on how valuable architect's contribution is. Yes. You, so
1: how do you how do you quantify I mean you were sharing with us but how would you quantify the value of an architect and the, his their processes and the company itself just in your experience, you no? Know? So that they have an understanding of this is what it's what's what it's going to take. It's not going to be a simplistic answer or some simpli- simplistic um procedure to do what you want to accomplish. How do you kind of quantify, I just say quantify the value, but it might be another way that you phrase it.
3: Well, so there are a lot of what I call tricks. Um, Okay. I found in 23 years of doing financial analysis for an architecture firm that it's not realistic to assume that people will be more than 75% billable in a 40-hour work week. That's for somebody who's really just turning out drawings and if you're doing marketing and client relations and so forth you would be even less billable so and that's a 40-hour work week a lot of people work way more than 40 hours but to do our budgets I never assume more than 40 hours because I think that over time on a really unlimited basis is is does not lead to job satisfaction so I think it's really important to um to have a work-life balance. Um, How do you so, achieve that
1: with that? I mean, I know you're putting processes in place to, to ensure that that occurs or ex- yeah. you experience that. Yeah,
3: so um, so when we talk about, you know, making appointments um, when for an architect to value their time, we all have our smartphones and our <laughs> smartwatches and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, take your smartphone out. Set the time for for an hour and say I have another appointment I have to get to. We have an hour and make sure that that your time is well spent in that hour with that client or with that consultant or with that um, planner, so that you're not frittering time away and they're not frittering your time. But you want to ha- have time for you know, relationship building. So if you want to be telling jokes or asking about their children or whatever, do that, but make that part of your plan for how you're spending your time. And, and so I tell the people to just always think of their time as being their. It it really is their money. So spend your money wisely. (laughs) (laughs) This is the modern architect
1: at KZSU, Stanford. 90.1 90.1 FM.
2: The California State Parks Foundation is the only statewide independent nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting, enhancing, and advocating for California state parks. With ever-present budget cuts threatening our parks from the Oregon border to Oceanside, the foundation needs your support more than ever. There are many ways you can help. To learn more or to make a much-needed donation, go to calparks.org. That's calparks.org.
1: We're talking today with Loriana Castro, vice president and controller of Castrop Group Incorporated Architects. For more information, feel free to visit That's www.kastropgroup.com. That's group.com Loriana, I noticed a theme, many themes in, throughout uh, your show today is time. The yes. word time shows up an awful lot yes. in here how i mean we it 's a cliche to say of how valuable is time, of course we know it 's valuable, but really, what is the, it's that is really the essence for a lot of your the i know it 's your financial analysis and you handle the uh, the books and the financials for Castrop group, but how did you you, know, you just you stress it so frequently. yes
3: I, I i I guess I feel like i do um preach that that 's like almost like if i were a a southern preacher and okay. i went to <laughs> Sorry, give right, a it. revival okay. meeting that would be my big message to the congregation is believe that your time is valuable yes they they, yeah. they everything agree, you're giving but, yeah. to those clients is super important and valuable and and so don't fritter it away but like for instance okay I started billing twice a month, and a lot of our clients are like, why do we get a bill every two weeks? And it's, (laughs) okay, there's a reason for that. One is, we talked about anchoring, is that when people have a smaller size bill, so if it comes in two chunks, it's going to be half of what it would have been at the end of the month, right? So if you get half the bill in two weeks, and then the rest of it in another two weeks, it's less to bite off, right? It's easier to digest the, the smaller chunk than the whole month worth of billing. So I think people feel more comfortable over the long run getting the smaller bills. And then also from our standpoint, what it helps us with is that if they're slow to pay, after two weeks and slow to pay after the next two weeks and slow to pay after the next two weeks, then maybe it's time for us to slow down on the project. And we'll, oh. <laughs> we'll,
1: I like how you put that. Well, answer. we'll
3: call them and say, we're obviously moving too fast for you. Oh. <laughs> and so can we, we'll just slow it down so that, you know, you can have time to catch up. And then they're like, oh, no, 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 don't slow it down. What do I owe you? And that's literally what happens because they, um, they've received three bills in a month and a half and the first one hasn't been paid and and i give people you know it's net 15 with a 15 day grace period so they still get 30 days to pay but yeah but they but if they've taken 30 days on that first two week bill then we need to talk yeah. so so that's what I, I mean these are the kinds of things where it's just about the passage of time it's the same amount of money it's the same. It's just psychological.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that psychology, there is, is there a lot of psychology in this? I mean, do you study this or well, am I reaching a I've little? I've
3: only studied in the sense that I, I read books on, okay. you know, um, business management and, um, you know, what I would call sex psych- psychology, uh, maybe pop, pop psychology okay. pop culture like malcolm gladwell and yeah but oh, you can great. also yeah. he's great and you yeah. can you can follow people like bill gates on twitter and he gives recommendations for things to read and and so i i like to and stanford business school yeah. offers um in fact sometimes you can go to uh, free lectures by the top graduate school of business faculty in the world. They
1: they invite, they invite (laughs) us. We've only taken them. Yeah. It's amazing too. And some of that is
3: on, on webcasts on, on, you know, if you go on the uh, Stanford. So what
1: makes you you so curious to go, you applied. I mean, you already have a, you know, successful firm. And how do you, what makes you want to keep becoming even more successful, making processes easier?
3: So it's making processes easier. that, That makes that, that, motivates me because so I write a blog and whenever I see something that obviously people don't know this, I try to write a little article, a little one page article on my blog about here's something you might want to know um, <laughs> so that people can educate yeah. themselves. And then when they come to us with their questions, they're insightful questions. They're not questions based on ignorance. They're questions based on just a little bit of research. And so I think that Um, If people can, uh, if they are anticipating uh, doing a construction project or an architectural project, if they take a little bit of time to think what is involved, I wrote a little – years ago, I wrote a little – PDF booklet, the downloadable PDF booklet. Oh, nice. And it's like 30 pages long, but it's about... (laughs) No, no, but it's like one sentence per page. Okay. It's like one sentence. Ah, Here's a concept. And this is what you might expect if you were doing an architectural project. I call it architectural projects a step-by-step process and then i tell people here are all the things that you might have to go through and you should know and then ask about them with your architect talk about this with your architect am i going to need a survey am i going to need you know which consultants am i going to need on this project and then and and then just talk it through. And don't forget to celebrate at the end of your project. That's another thing that I think people forget.
1: So you have built-in celebrations?
3: Built-in, yeah. And oh. and also with the design team. We have, so we have weekly meetings where we talk about the projects in process that, you know, where are they? Do we need to do anything? What are our next steps? We talk about our project leads so nothing drops through the cracks in our marketing. If somebody calls us, has anybody followed up with them? What is it? And then thirdly, I talk to the team about how we're doing as a firm. So I make it my business to provide um, statistics on how we're doing financially for every single person in the firm. We all have our personal targets. Those personal targets feed into the overall budget. And if we all make our personal targets, the firm will, by definition, make our overall budget for the year. And then, if we make our budget for the year, we get we get bonuses. We all get bonuses, and it's not just it's not just the management team; it's every single person in the firm.
1: I'm, I'm trout mouth just because. Yeah. It's so.
3: Yeah, I'm- and if we do really well, we also have a f- fully funded, employer funded um, pension program, so that the um, and it's not oh, the employees don't have to pay once they've been an employee of ours for three years or more they have a pension. I believe that that's what employers have to do. You're, you're taking their time for years and years of their lives. So they, so you need to give back for when they're not doing this anymore, you know, when they retire. So it's really important to treat people like a family and I, and treat them as you would like to be treated. I believe in the golden rule. So if you, if, if you treat your clients, your consultants, and by the way the planners, they're not okay, the bad yeah. guys. Yeah. We collaborate with planning departments all around the Bay Area and they know that we will not bring them a project that they're going to be freaked out with. They're not they're going to be able to permit permit it.
1: So they when they, when they see Castro, so when they, they knew, they know.
3: They know it's going to be a, a quality project and that it's going to meet the, the jurisdiction's guidelines for their, so that they can feel comfortable recommending it for approval to whatever You know, it might have to go to the planning commission or the city council or whatever. And so they feel comfortable as a planner to promote that project. And I, and so planning, uh, treat everybody as you wish to be treated and you will end up with a good collaborating team that wants to work together again. So that's the other thing is that sooner or later, you're going to come across these people again and again. And do you want them to smile when they see you? (sighs) coming yeah. or do you want them to be like I think I have a phone call. <laughs> you know, you have to you have to um in this business it's actually a pretty small world. Sure is. Um yeah. you run into sure. the same people again and again, so we like to build those relationships so that eventually the um the, the not just those individual people, but the entire um architectural industry as it were has a good reputation. People will say I do need an architect and I know why I need an architect. That's the goal, right? Yeah. Yes. For and sure. and that way that 12 years, 12 years of education and licensing or whatever has become worth it. In this world, you know, yes, <laughs> it has to be worth it. Why would you do it? <laughs>
1: I'm ra- raising my hand in praise. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Really amen. Am. <laughs> Can I have an amen?
3: I really really am. <laughs>
1: but you've also facilitated the process to make this all happen, because what's really neat is, of course, what you're saying is, is true. And um, I agree with it 100 percent. But you've also put in place processes mm-hmm. to ensure that it, it is achievable. Right. And it is accomplished and people are
3: accountable right and i I really wish if in in my world of hopes and dreams, I wish that the different softwares and plan um, and project management software made it easier for non financial analysts like me um, to spit out reports on how's my project going it's not that easy it usually takes a lot of training to get to the point where you can be um, skilled at understanding project prof- profitability, and um, is
1: I like that project profitability. Yeah. So how, how how do you how do you kind of quantify that? I mean, you've shared with us many times how but, uh, you know, okay. kind of summarize
3: that yeah. project
1: profitability.
3: So in our firm, we strive for an average of fifteen percent profitability on our costs. Okay. And our costs are. You know, obviously the pay that we the pay for those people's hours that's related to that project. So every person's paycheck is divided down into how much time they spent on each project.
1: And that's with every project from well, that was pro every bono, but, but project. Every single project. The plaza project like that. every
3: single project. And even the non-billable hours, I break down even further. I hate to say this because it sounds so um, obsessive-compulsive. No, but
1: that's why we want you here. Well,
3: I I break down time into not just non-billable, but there's obviously sick, vacation, holiday, and so forth. It's obvious. But then there's professional development when you're... Attending a okay. webinar or reading architecture magazines or studying materials that you might want to use or specify—they the, can't be built to a project, but you're educating yourself, so that's professional development. And then, uh, or attending AIA meetings, for example, whatever. And then, I also have this category called personal time. Okay. So that's like coffee breaks, making returning personal phone calls, things like that. So you're at the office. It's built in. That it's built into okay. the pro- so it's not built into the project budget, okay. but it's built into our overhead. Okay. So I consider that a cost. Like it's part of the overhead of the firm. And of course, you have that. People don't admit it. No, I but know. But water cooler time is time, and yeah. time is money. and time, yeah. so it has to and be accounted for. It has a value. For. It has a value, and it yes. has to be accounted for. So when you, so, so at the end of the day, if when I said seven people can't be more than seventy-five percent billable, that's why. Because okay. that other twenty-five percent goes somewhere. It doesn't go into the ether. It, it's, it's they're doing something, and it's okay. Just put a number on it. Put a number to it. It's okay to do those things, and that's what I tell my people. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you not not to do it. I'm just telling you to let me know how much it was. That's all.
1: Outstanding. Just tell me
3: how much of it you did, and that way I can build
2: that into the budget.
1: Outstanding. You're listening to the Modern Architect KZSU, Stanford ninety point one FM.
2: The Stanford Archive of Recorded Sound is a wonderful resource for those interested in classical music and jazz. The archive contains thousands of historical recordings and numerous collections of printed materials. It's located in the Braun Music Center on the Stanford campus. To learn how you can take advantage of all the archive offers, visit it on the web at lib.stanford.edu backslash ars.
1: We're talking today with Lauriana Kastrop, Vice President. And controller of Castrop Group Incorporated Architects. For more information, please feel free to visit www.castropgroup.com That is ww.kastropgroup.com. Loriana, what mindset in your experiences needed to help architecture firms in the financial facet move up to kind of the twenty first century? If it's a loaded question, you don't have to answer, but I'm curious.
3: Yeah. To move into the 21st century. So there are all kinds of wonderful tools that architects use for design. And so that area has been growing, but the tools that we're using for financials is, I shouldn't use the actual name of the, but you (laughs) know, like if you're on QuickBooks and that's all you got, it's not enough. Um, and if I were a an app designer or, a, you know, somebody who was really, really good with um, computer programming, I, I would be figuring out a way to download that QuickBooks. Stuff. I, I have to do it. I do it for my job. You download it into Excel and then you manipulate it in Excel spreadsheets. But I would say that there's got to be a better way. And what I say – and I'm talking about taking payroll information, by the way. This is not – This is not something where you can just say, let's, let's just plug some numbers into a big flow chart, which a lot of plan management things do. I mean, the project management software can do that. But when you get down to the itty bitty level, like, like payroll data, most of them don't do that. They don't inter, they don't intersect. So what I do is I download a bunch of stuff off to off of QuickBooks onto Excel okay. and I and I don't recommend that for people because it's just it's too mind-boggling detail oriented. I mean, I yeah. do it because I love it. I love the numbers, but I don't think most people and architects certainly wouldn't. They would be like, "What? That's crazy." <laughs> so I so I think that that's where the future for for business management of architecture firms needs to go. Um and I and I'm hoping, I mean, I'll put it out to the world right sure. there. Come and talk to me about how they can improve QuickBooks so that we can get um, the right analytical tools for our office.
1: Yeah, we're at Stanford. They're, they're doing all kinds of different apps for different, uh, mostly yeah. fun and entertainment. Yeah. Would be uh, so, one. for
3: example, another app that architects could really use is to have on their cell phone, a, a, like a really quick push button app that you could tap the project number. Or the address of the project you're working on, and then you could tap it again and that the time interval between those two taps is the time you spent on the project and have that feed into your billing system. So that you're not filling out timesheets. Time sheets is really, really tedious. I mean time timesheets are the things that I live by. Yeah. But if if the architects didn't have to do that, they would be rejoicing. So there needs to be a better way to do the time part of it. And if it could be just on your cell phone and you just tap, I'm working with this project right now, now I'm done working with that project. And it's, it goes somewhere. Yeah, know, in the cloud or it just goes to yeah. the cloud or something, that would be that okay. would make life so much better. So we can
1: use it. In fact, one of our one of our guests last week um, uh, they specialize in minimizing the tapping.
0: Okay. <laughs> Darlene.
1: Uh, Fabrizio, Yeah, he said, you know, get away from all that. You want as few taps as possible so that it's as simple and as easy as possible. But it takes a lot of time and effort to get it to be so simple. But he can do it. But anyway, so you put it out to the world. Yeah, uh, I'm putting uh,
3: it out to the world because I (laughs) I know that I can't do it. But I I feel like somebody out there. Oh, for sure. It absolutely can be done. Yeah. And time management is something that we could all be better at, not just architects. Um oh. and so I mean
1: you've shared with us so many ways but I mean your time and how we can be better Yeah.
3: Oh uh, well what all the experts say is to put time for yourself first whether it's like to go to the gym or to go or play with your kids or whatever it is and that you need to put that first into the into your time management budget. And that's what I try to do for the firm is uh, uh, understand how much time needs to go for the employees Lives and then the rest of it that's mine because they're, because they're working the part that they're working. Let's make the most of it and make sure that when we get to the end of the year, we've been successful enough with our projects and our clients and they've paid their bills and they're happy to pay their bills because they're getting a good service. Yeah. Then we get to the end of the year and we can all celebrate and.
1: I love that. Celebration is built in, it sounds like. Yeah, Yeah,
3: you have to.
1: Yeah. I've got a uh, quote here. Share with us, please, what your thoughts are. And it's, architects and engineers must contend with complex reporting requirements that can make accounting difficult and time-consuming. Careful accounting and understanding these practical issues can simplify this process and, in fact, may enable it to be an actual profit center. Actually, I came up with that quote, so no, I really did. So so uh, I give myself credit on this. Okay. One. What's your thought on that,
3: you know? So, yes, absolutely. You can okay. make uh, a profit center well. When you say make it simple, um, it, that's. I feel like that's what my job is, is to make okay. it simple for them. I don't think you can do it with no—I'm sorry. I'll keep it in. I like that. It's, 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 I love the reality <laughs> of it. I'm sorry. Well, I—, I yeah. I don't think you can do it with nobody who's the, the, um, controller of okay. the firm. Um, if, if your firm's too small to have a controller, if you're single, you know a sole proprietor um then you're going to have to budget some time to spend on that part of it because people don't pay you unless you put out your invoices you know things like that Very i true. i you'd yeah. you'd be surprised how many people don't i have engineers that i have to ask them for their bill you know like like did you do this work and i haven't seen an invoice yet <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, I ha- I'm behind on my invoices. What? Are you behind on your invoices? So um, you have to be- <laughs> So So it's hard if you don't have somebody like me to do um, the analysis. But I would say that you're right. You can make anything profitable as long as you understand and are valuing your time. So, so when I say valuing time, by the way, by the way, <laughs> make sure that. your billing rates match what so a good rule of thumb and i i think this has played out for years for me is that um if you take the dollar per hour you're paying somebody okay and we all know what what common salaries are in the industry so if you take that dollar per hour and multiply it by by three you that their billing rate has to be that high okay so if you're paying a drafter say $30 an hour you better be charging 90 for their time and that's because some of their time's not billable some of their time is you know working on things that aren't going to go into the project but will be part of your architectural firm
1: you outstanding know? is there anything yeah. else uh, Lauriana, within our hour that we may not have covered that you'd love to share with uh with your uh, with your audience today <laughs>
3: Oh gosh, yes, probably a lot of things, but the, but the one thing I do want to congratulate the architectural industry for is that everywhere I go in the community, we do a lot of community service, a lot okay. of hands-on community service, not just writing checks to charities, but like actually participating on boards and, and commissions and things that, um, give back to the community, um, And one of the things that I recognize in our industry more than many other professions is that architects are often in their communities doing things that help and being present and serving on different community, um, you know, in service clubs or on the architectural review committee or what have you. And um, it's important that we know and understand the communities where we build. Sure. And people need to see us as grounded and invested in the community. So I love working in the architecture industry. I admire it. And I believe that it's vital to people's lives constantly changing. And there's always something new to learn. So um, buildings affect people's lives more than anything else they own or use. So... Architecture has a tremendous impact, and it's a re, it's rewarding.
1: Excellent. Loriana, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you on The Modern Architect. Thank you very much.
3: Well, thank you very much, Tom. It's been a pleasure.
1: Likewise. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Giora. Our guest today has been Loriana Kastrop, Vice President and Controller of Kastrop Group Incorporated Architects. Lorianne has over 30 years in financial analysis experience and also handles human resources and marketing for the Castrop Group Incorporated Architects. Her specialty is budget management and reporting to keep projects on budget and within estimates. She has a Bachelor of Arts in International Relations from Stanford University. For more information, feel free to visit www.castropgroup.com. That's www.castropgroup.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, Engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives.
2: The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and mobile across the San Francisco Bay Area, and is a production of KCC Radio. Today, the recording engineer is Darlene Franklin, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Caleb B. Smith. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Bioro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kcsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kcsu.stanford.edu.
0: Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect.